Coffee with a Coastie is brought to you by On the Coast Publications, the publishing house for On the Coast families and On the Coast Over 55 community magazines on the central coast of New South Wales. Welcome to Coffee with a Coastie, as we have the great pleasure of sitting down and chatting with Central Coast local Rodney Dobson, better known as Dobbo to his mates. He has an incredible career in musical theatre to date, performing in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Annie, My Fair Lady, Dream Lover, The Full Monty, Legally Blonde, Evita, Chicago, Les Mis, Singing in the Rain, Wicked, Chess, Sunset Boulevard, Miss Saigon, Buddy, Sweeney Todd, to name a few, and is currently performing in Moulin Rouge the Musical at the Capitol Theatre in Sydney, where we are lucky enough to have caught up with him. So without further ado, welcome Rodney. Mate, thank you, mate. What an intro. It's, it sounds impressive. And I was there. <laughs> and I left some off. I thought I can't say all can't of them. Can't say all of them. Chop some off. Yes, it's funny. You think, how could this guy live in the Central Coast? It's not possible. <laughs> uh, travelling, travelling. Yeah, That's, yeah. I've done, yeah. The, done the train trip a few times. <laughs> yeah, I did it down to get down here today. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Mate, no problem. Thank you. I, I might let you pronounce this, so I'm going to point you in a second. Yeah. Only because I don't want Victorians chasing me down. Right. You were born in... Oh, Wonthaggy. Wonthaggy, Victoria. That's correct. And lived and studied musical theatre in Perth. How did you end up on the Central Coast? <laughs> good, yes, good question. Doesn't make any sense, does it? Um, okay. Uh, so, yeah, Wonthaggy's a dairy farming, coal mining town in South Gippsland, Victoria. My mum and dad met there. Um, my dad was the son of a coal miner. Mum was sort of an immigrant from England. Uh Seeking a new life, her parents came out. And anyway, three, they had three boys. I was the youngest of three. And the sort of opportunities in the country town, they could sort of see if we stay here, all the boys will end up in a factory somewhere. Um, wanted to expand our horizons, but kind of too scared to go to the big city, Melbourne, or big city, Sydney. And so thought, sort of looked at Perth as kind of like halfway between a country town and a city. This is yeah. back in the 70s where it was, you know, Perth was town. really small. Yeah. And so, yeah, we chuffed across the Nullarbor. I was eight, nine years old, so I didn't, couldn't have cared less. Like, great, let's go. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, we grew up, grew up in Perth, which was, was just terrific. I ended up studying musical theatre and then it's because there's not really a musical theatre industry in Perth that you could sustain full time. So if you want to pursue your dreams, you've got to go back east, east, east coast. So I sort of tossed a coin and went, I'll go to Sydney. There's a lot of theatres there, I'll go there and um, try my luck. And I jagged a gig and sort of lived in Sydney until I had kids. And it was like, how can you afford to be an actor and have children and pay the real estate prices down in Sydney? Like, we're looking at places we couldn't afford that needed work, you know. <laughs> so we looked a bit further outside of Sydney where we want to raise our kids, you know, Blue Mountains, Central Coast, even Wollongong and, and that, and, yeah, discovered the coast and the beaches, and I was like, I want that one, you know, that, this is great. Um, and it worked really well for me because I could be an actor when I was in the city, but then when I was in the, on the coast, I was a dad, you know, and I could separate those two stresses uh, and sort of separate. So when you get off the train, I'm dad, you get off the train again, I'm an actor again. And, um yeah. And it was a beautiful place. The kids are, are sort of 22 and 24 now and sort of done the job. So, um, yeah, and, and I'm still in the coast because I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. that's awesome. It's, it's very similar to my story. Like, we right. lived in Sydney yeah. and um, I got two young kids. Yeah. 
and it was yeah. I've holidayed on the Central Coast all my life, and it was yeah. like, you know what, I've got young kids, yeah. I want lifestyle. I feel, and, and I feel like once up. you have two little ones, you just crave space, yeah, instinctively. And of course, Sydney's there's nothing, <laughs> no one's no yeah. one's got room to put their suitcase, you know, very busy, yeah. So, um, so we blew our mind up there, and we loved it, yeah, yeah, awesome. Mm. I've heard you say. Fear to accidentally, and you sort of mentioned it, fear to accidentally become your workplace. Mm. How did it accidentally become your workplace? <laughs> uh, it's funny. I feel like lots of performers f- feel like they're in this industry through happy accidents. Um, I was um, lucky enough in high school, was uh, primary school actually, identified of having some musicianship. They do little tests on you to see if you could recognise notes and stuff, and they gave me a trumpet. I played the trumpet. In primary school, went in through high school playing the yeah. trumpet. By the time I got to the end of high school, I was I, I took speech and drama as a, a sort of a knockoff subject, one that didn't have much homework, be a bit of fun. I'd concentrate on my other five real subjects, and and uh, that would be a smart way of making what they call the TAE in Perth um, much easier, much easier journey. But I was being smart, and it turns out the only thing that I was good at was the speech and drama stuff. I really enjoyed it. And so when it came to choosing what you're going to do next, all my mates were going, well, I'm good at math, so I'm going to do engineering. Another kid was good at bi- you know, biology or something, went to become a zoologist and, and whatnot. So I'm like, well, I'm, I'm good at music and I'm good at speech and drama, good at acting stuff. Like maybe I should do that. So I, I applied for a music course at Perth Uni playing, like, to play the trumpet, like maybe playing orchestras or something. Yeah. And I also was applying for NIDA and Whopper as an actor. And while I'm getting all the brochures and looking, looking at all the courses, there's this one that says music theatre. And I'd, I'd never heard of it. I'd, there, was no, there was no other courses like it. And I'm like, music theatre, great. I, I can do acting and I can play my trumpet. <laughs> and um, so I applied, I applied for everything. And, and the music theatre course said, yeah, come and see us. Prepare two songs from music theatre. And I'm like, well, I had to ring a mate up. And go, what's a music theatre song? And he's like, you know, like West Side Story or New York, New York. And yeah. that's kind of where it started. So um, I, I brushed up a couple of songs. I'd never done it before in my life. I, I had to dance. I'd never danced before in my life. And I did some acting monologues, which I was way more comfortable with. And the course was so young. Um, and they probably had quotas where they needed a certain amount of per- people yeah. in the course. And I jagged a spot. Uh, <laughs> and... Um, the rest is history. It was funny though because the first week of the course, I was, I was, um, we we all had to do our acting pieces for each other, and all the, all these guys are sort of other guys were experienced amateur musical theatre guys, so really confident with their singing, but their acting left a little to be desired. So we sh- we did all our acting pieces for each other, and I I'm like I'm the best in the class. This is going to be so easy. I'm like it's going to this uni gig's going to be great. And then the next day we sang, and it was just. Drop jaw dropping voice after voice after voice, and uh, so so then the laborious business came about around of doing the work and working hard. So yeah, yeah. so that's sort of how I stumbled into it. Yeah, and then I jagged. A, I got really lucky with a jo- my first job. Um, when I graduated, we you know I ended up in Sydney, and we 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 do a little presentation as a group, and then you. In those days, you're in a phone box ringing agents trying to yeah. find an agent. And in my search for agents, one, one agent said to me, he said, what would you do if you could choose your first job? 
I said, oh, big musical would be good. And he goes, oh, that reminds me, um, are you a baritone? And he pulls out a piece of paper and I go, yeah. And he goes, Chess, the musical, which was cast six months earlier when I was still a student, They've, someone's pulled out and they're looking for a baritone. Do you want to audition for that? And I oh, said, yeah. sure. And he made a phone call and, and uh, he got an answering machine and left a message. And, and I kept ringing him every day going, how's that audition? How's that audition? There was nothing, nothing, nothing. And he, he didn't represent me and it was like it looked like it had all fallen over. I eventually found an agent, just about a week later, and then he rang me randomly and just lucky they happened to be near the phone at the place I was staying. He said, do you still want that audition? Because he wasn't representing me. Yeah, I said, yeah. He said, 11 o'clock tomorrow at Nida Theatre. I'm like, okay. I had my song from my audition program and... I went and I went and booked that gig, and probably because I'd straight out of uni, they knew I was going to be the cheapest guy yeah, in town, yeah. so I booked it, and and that, that was just a game changer. I reckon if I'd gone another three or four weeks without any money, I would have had to have gone back to Perth, yeah, and right. it could it'd be a totally different direction. So it's funny how. That so goes. yeah, it's just a series of flukes and whatnot. Yeah. And here I am, you know. That, so that's you know back in the late eighties. Here I am uh, in the mid twenties and still doing music theatre. It doesn't make any sense. It's amazing. And then yeah. to think, I, I'm pretty sure I read a story or something about um, even your trumpet, getting yeah. into trumpet was to, yeah. to get out of mass or something. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, then you've done your research. It's like, it's like a series of laziness because yeah. a speech and drama thing was like yeah. no homework. Um, I think I remember the, remember the trumpet moment because it was like 20 kids that all passed this aptitude test and they said there's six spots for guitar and six spots for trumpet. Yeah. And the rest are you going to miss out. So go and sign up, and we sort of took off. And I went to the guitar line because we all wanted to play in Kiss or cool, ACDC, cool you know. <laughs> we all want to be a rock star. Um, and I'm at the back of the guitar queue, and one of the teachers, teachers tapped me on the shoulder and said, look at the trumpet queue, and there's like four kids in it. And I'm like, they're like, no, I'm not really interested. He said, if you do trumpet, it means like the lessons are during class, during maths class. I'm like, straight over this, where do I sign? Yeah. And they, they gave me a trumpet and away I went. Yeah. Like, again, a game changer. That day could have gone so differently. That's if right. I'd got That's to the amazing. front of that guitar queue, I might be playing for a band now. <laughs> That's right. Imagine. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be different. Yeah. Has there been any mentors along the way? And if so, what have they taught you? And what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Yeah. I think it's always, there's always mentors. I've met a lot yeah. of great people and I continue to. It's the nature of this industry. You're always inspired by the, the people around you. Um, probably that trumpet teacher was probably my first mentor yeah. because you, I went through primary school right through high school with him. So he would have watched me. You just have one lesson a week for half an hour, but he would have watched me go from a little boy to becoming a man and... Um, I think there was there was a group of six kids. It was down to one by the time I finished high school. So uh, he he was he was and a, that one was obviously you. Yeah, it was obviously <laughs> me. I think one kid was good, and but he left, went to another school. The others all just ditched it. Yeah. Trumpet's a difficult instrument. You're carrying a case to school. Kids tease you, and yeah. and I I wanted to quit, but my parents my parents wouldn't let me, which they said I'd be grateful for one day, and I was like never. But of course, uh, of course, I am. So. Um, uh, so that was that, and he, uh, but he would say things like, um, he would say things like, the difference between an amateur and a professional is an amateur practices until he gets it right, a professional practices until he can't get it wrong, and and so little things like that I hold on to. He, he said, um, 
used to say, there's no such thing as a wrong note, because I go, oh, sorry, I played a wrong note. He says, it's not the wrong note, it's the right note in the wrong place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, so he'd always give me little gems like that. And so uh, I think he, he sort of shaped me a little bit into my attitude towards how you work in yeah. the arts. And, you, and he really pushed push practice 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 which we all know as adults is the only way to get Repetition. good at something but when you're a kid you try and look for the shortcuts all the time yeah so he was a great mentor then then at whopper um the music theater course is alongside an acting course there's dance courses and there's the conservatory music there and um the late richard gill was running the the sydney conservatory the perth conservatorium then and um he there's occasionally crossover productions with operas and stuff, and he he got me into a couple of his shows, and really believed in me. And he got me into his room and got me really releasing my voice. He was one of the key people helped me learn to sing, and mm. um, and just that it wasn't so much anything that he said, although he gave me lots of practical advice. Was it the belief? It's just like you you can do this, you can yeah, do this, yeah. and just because we all have doubts, especially standing on stage and singing in front of someone, you're like, well, I'm not ready. And like, yes, you are. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And, and just got to keep doing it and keep doing it. And um, so he he was really instrumental, and he he sort of followed my career afterwards after I graduated. And and as I said, every show I've done, there's always someone. I'm, there was, you know, one of the ensemble actors in chess who was a bit older than me and had done Les Mis or something. I really looked up to him. He took me under his wing. His name mm. was Michael Turkic. Um, and uh, then I ended up having a career that ran longer than his, his did. Um, uh, was was great. And, and so, like, on Forbidden Planet, I had a guy named DJ Foster, uh, Rory O'Donoghue. Um, Neither of them were long, longer with us, but they again, like sort of uncle figures mm. that just sort of help you learn how to live because it's not just being an actor on the stage, it's how do you survive, how do you pay your bills, you know, where, how do you manage money, relationships, all that stuff. Um, had a lot of good people that I've crossed paths with yeah. that have helped me through. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's true. Mm. Oh, I really like the trumpet teacher, but did the trumpet yeah. teacher how to blow smoke at your trumpet? <laughs> Well, you've got to, you've been talking that, to my sort of that, um, high school buddies. <laughs> I, I remember this story because I was telling you, you're playing the trumpet. It's an awkward thing. Yeah. And in the, in the 80s, kids kids were tough. There's yeah. fights after okay, school most times, yeah. right? And so I went through a period of that sort of puberty time of, of um, just not wanting to go to school on trumpet day or tell mum I was sick. No, you're going, or I deliberately forget the trumpet. It was because on the park on the way, Woo, you got your case, you know, you're nerd or whatever. Um, and I, you know, I, I was just probably more my insecurity more than kids picking on me, but I just didn't want to be different. I wanted to be the same as everyone else, and this made me different, made me stand out. Um, and, of course, it was the early 80s. It's a weird thing for anyone young listening to this that everybody smoked cigarettes where I lived anyway. That's sort yeah. of Bogan Town in WA. So we all, we all sort of had a durry on the way to school and yeah. a durry on the way home. And one day these these guys were teasing me about my trumpet and so I pulled it out and started playing it and they like they stood back and went, oh, holy moly, because yeah. trumpets make a fair noise. And then, yeah, and started puffing smoke through my trumpet, which I wouldn't recommend. I don't think it's good for the horn. Um, but it just, hey, he's cool, you're all right, you're cool, you're okay. And then, then, it, then that was a game changer. It was like, 
then it's like, oh, they like what I do. They're, they're actually impressed. Some are yeah. a little bit jealous that they don't have something like that. And, that. and then that's why I was able to continue with it as my own solo. Now it's my point of difference. Yeah. Now I'm really proud of my uniqueness. But whereas a slightly younger man, you know, you know yeah. how it is. Um, it's like, I just want to be the same as everybody else. Yeah. Why do you put me through this? That's so, funny. yeah, it's a funny journey. It is, it is. <laughs> and it's, it, it's interesting, like, yeah, like just... To be able to go, look, you know what I mean? Like, just create that level of yeah. having the smoke come out of the trumpet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just puts, some puts an end to f- it. Just a, just a fluke moment. Yeah. I didn't hadn't thought that through at all. Uh, but, you know, just intuition. Just somehow, yeah, just somehow. It's intuition. a survival, survival, <laughs> survival technique. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Do you remember when you first realized performing on stage was what you wanted to do? And can you share that moment? Oh, yeah. It's a good question. I often think about this. Um, you sort of you kind of get addicted to the the praise of the audience applauding you. Not many people do a job that finishes with a round of applause <laughs> and a bow, right? Yeah. Uh, my brother came and saw the show the other day, and I knew he wouldn't enjoy it uh, because he hates paying money to come and see me do my job. <laughs> so he doesn't come to my work because <laughs> he's in mining. Uh, he had a great time, of course, but uh, uh, it's um, it's a yeah, it's a funny thing to take that. But I always, always, I do get a real rush from that feeling of hitting a great note and getting a great response from an audience or hit, doing, a, mm. doing a joke and getting a great laugh. And I trace it back to when I first experienced that was when I was doing little athletics. Um, I was quite a good little runner when I was really little. And as I got older, kids caught up and got faster. And, but I, lo- I loved it and I, used, and I got into amateur athletics once little athletics finished and I used yeah. to run at a stadium against men when I was 16, 17. Uh-huh. And I was, I, I was a late developer, I was little. Um, and I did the steeplechase, I did the distance events. I did oh, 5,000 in the 1800, sorry, the 1500. And I was tiny and I'd, I'd go into these open events and everyone, every club's at, at the crowd at Perry Lake Stadium in Perth, there's a lot of people there. There'd be 200, 300 people just there watching, supporting their loved ones or whatever in the grandstand. But when, when the steeplechase had happened, I was so little I couldn't jump the steeple. I'd climb it and the men would just jump it. And I'd pass them in between the steeples and then they'd pass me at the, at the steeple. And so the crowd would watch it. Right, and they'd see this little fella trying his guts out, and then he'd climb the steeple, but then he'd catch them and pass them, and they'd end up barracking for me. And, they'd, and then by the time you take that final bend, they're, they're clapping and cheering for you. People I didn't know are cheering mm-hmm. for me. Or if I did just a straight running event and I'm coming last, but I sprint the very end, they'd cheer for me. People would encourage you and support. And I think that's where I first discovered, like, what's that? Like, yeah. those people are clapping me. I love that. I want more of that. I think being the youngest of three boys, you're just craving approval <laughs> all the time. And so the th- I think the theatre gives you that. Um, and it's something you never get tired of. It always gives you a thrill. Yeah. And it's, it's quite humbling, too, to stand in front of a bunch of strangers and sort of take a bow while they're smiling and, and clapping you. It's quite a quite a bizarre thing, but it's it's very addictive and very pleasing. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's interesting that it comes from um Yeah, from, from athletics, sport, from, from, sport. from sport. Yeah, yeah. I definitely I link sport with with, with what I do quite a lot. Um, so when was your first performance on stage? Um that's a good question. 
we I did a little bit in high school in speech and drama, yeah. so it was just in front of the school kids. And is that around that same time as athletics? Like, is it yeah, sort of yeah, like yeah. literally athletics? Doing the same thing. Oh, athletics, yeah, I'll go correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been around, right around the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember one one story you just reminded me. We had a maybe it was year ten in high school, so fifteen or something, and now. Our school teacher had a relationship with another school and we did pen pals with another class. Right. And one day all the pen pals all came to our, um, to our school to meet at the yeah. end of the year. And it was awkward as anything. One group sitting on the floor, we're sitting on the floor. And so the teacher comes over to me and my mate Colin who played the guitar and said, can you guys do something entertaining like this? This is going really bad. Everyone's just bored. And, and um, Colin had the lyrics and the chord charts to Hotel California and said, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll just sing this. How about you sing, I'll play the chords. And without thinking, I, we just did this. We mm. just sat there on a crate and I sang Hotel California, which I wouldn't have done in front of anyone ever, in front of these strangers and my own mates. And so everyone was like, you know, really impressed and, mm. and whatnot. And I kind of walked away going, wow, I just did that. If I'd thought about that, I would have said no. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and, th you know, th that's, that sort of led to a bit of self-belief, I suppose. Yeah. But, we did, yeah, I did a couple of school plays. The first school play I did, I played in the band. But then Trumpet? I did... Yeah, play, uh, and I did a bit of percussion and stuff uh, and yeah. sound effects and stuff. Yeah. yeah. It, was just, it was the production of Oliver Twist, not the musical, the play. And, uh, and I was like, I'll just, I'll just go and make music and do that. Yeah. That's where I'm headed. And, but then the next year, my, my year 11, I think it would have been my second last year, the drama teacher wrote a play and gave me like the lead role in it. Again, I didn't know what was going on, what I was mm. doing. People came, they clapped and loved it. And, um, and that was that. So, yeah, that's again, that self-belief yeah. and, and that led, oh, maybe I can do this, maybe I can. There's a lot in that, isn't there? Just yeah. progressively doing yeah. that a little bit more and going, yeah. actually, I can. Yeah. A little bit more. And you can't this control This podcast it. is a little bit like that. Yeah, right. right. Of course. You yeah. know, to be honest. Yep. And you can't, you like can't control it. You couldn't then say, I'm going to teach you how to get your podcast career going yeah. by doing this, this and this. Because it won't work if you try and contrive it. It's just you've got to make the mistakes and you've got to have that random person... Mm -hmm say something positive that actually triggers something in you that you go, okay, yeah. I can do this, yeah. I can do the next one. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> of course you can. It's, uh, it it's very better. much like that. Yeah, great. Now, um, we, I mentioned it in the intro. Your Instagram account mentions you as Dobbo the Theatre yo the Yobbo. <laughs> yeah. Where did Dobbo originate from? <laughs> well, do all being Rodney Dobson being yeah. my name, all Dobsons are called Dobbo. Dobbo. I had to tell my kids one day that you're just going to be you're called gonna get Dobbo. It? Um, and yeah, so every I've met other Dobsons in my life that aren't related, and it's like, are you Dobbo? Yeah, I'm Dobbo. Yep, man, oh, man right. my brother's Dobbo. We're all Dobbo. Um, but Dobbo the Theatre Yobbo was coined on my first musical by Jodie Gillies, who was playing the lead lead lady of Florence, because like. Think, I suspect I came across a little different to most young musical theatre performers, that I wasn't a dancer, I was parting my hair in the middle and flannelette shirt and the mullet and, and uh, probably the only alcohol I would have drunk would have been VB, you know, <laughs> it would have been that guy vibe. So she's like this Dobbo the Theatre Yobbo and it stuck, that's what, that's what that company always called me. Um, uh, and, and so that was that, and she she wasn't far wrong. I'm a little bit more cultured now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I seen the Flano in um, the Full Monty. I think. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It comes in handy. That yeah, bit of research. Yeah, there you go. Definitely. 
Definitely. So, so you, you you needed the flannel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to be ready to wear anything. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's cool. Uh, you graduated from Whopper in uh, 1989 mm -hmm. from, as you mentioned, one of, if not the first, musical theatre course. Yeah. And you were one of only three, as you mentioned, uh, I think, or you mentioned or I read, that yeah. uh, that didn't have to uh, sing, which you mentioned before, didn't have yeah. to sing the original piece. Yes. Um, so much has changed since then and so many people must miss out on the experience of being able to perform on stage yeah. just due, purely due to the level of a high level of yeah. of of uh, experience now required mm. at the beginning. Yeah, 100%. Um, how, how would you tackle getting into the industry now if yeah. you were just starting out? Tough question. Um, yes, uh, just to clarify that first part of that question. Um, so that O week that I was telling you about, all these kids were great singers and I was terrible. Th at the end of that week, everyone has to sing their song for the whole school, for all the dancers, for the actors, yeah. media students, everyone, cello players. It's a terrifying thing to do to people. But they protected me. They, they were like, you're not ready, Dobbo. You, we're going to let you do your monologue. So I went out and did, my, did some jokes. Um, and I, yeah, as, I, as, as you said, um, I found out years later, I said, has anyone else ever had to do that? They said it's happened three times in the history of the, of the Academy, which is 35 years long now, where we've had to go, you're not quite ready. And yet, and yet I'm still in the industry. So it's quite a, quite a funny story. Um, I, I, yeah, the course was so young. They, they might, like I said, they might have had quotas. Um, I was so, so lucky. The course was cheap. I think I paid $500 cash up front. There was no hex mm. when I started. Um, That's for, I assume it was all the classes three years or something. From eight till, or... eight till six every day, full productions, tap class, ballet class, Feldenkrais, Alexander Technique, piano oh, lessons. covered everything. Got all of that. It covered my first year, 500 bucks. I'm curious, the Alexander Technique. Yeah, we Not did something all. that I would yeah. like, classify as theatre as such. Yeah. It's a, it's a, I've done yeah, Alexander about Technique. To understand your body and, and, and relaxing sort of because, stuff. you know, if you carry tension on stage, mm. it can inform your character. And they actually so you teach learn. That. Yeah, cool. they teach that. Yeah, I did. I didn't learn it very well, but I tried. Getting yeah. up and sitting down off the chair. How many yeah. times did you do that's that? That's right. All that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd often go and get on the bench and do stuff with me, and I'd, yeah, fall, I'd yeah. fall asleep half the time. It's quite um, calming. But it's great. It makes you aware of your body, and it's an important skill as a performing artist yeah, to yeah. be aware. So, so yeah. So that was then. Yeah. And then the second or third year, we crewed a hex debt, but that was hex was only just introduced. It was so small. I paid it off in the first few weeks of working. So, so I was. I was gifted. We had when we got Oz study from the government and subsidies, rental assistance. It was, it, it's uh, so different now in that it's a it's a bachelor of arts now. It was an associate diploma when I did it, yeah. um, so you need you need certain amount of grades just to get in the course. Um, plus, they're looking for triple threats that are already got experience, mm -hmm. um, because the uh, I think there's more dance schools and more options for. For young people these days, there's more experienced kids applying. So that's why I'd say I wouldn't get in with yeah. the experience that I had then. They were going, you're too raw, mate. Go away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get better. Come back when you're a bit better. Yeah. Um, so I guess my advice to someone wanting to sort of go to Whopper now, what do I need? Do I? It's like, well, don't do what I did. Turn up not knowing, <laughs> what I, not knowing what I was doing. I didn't know my left from my right. Uh, would be, you know, do as much research as you can, as many classes as you can. Um, and uh, ask as many questions as you can so you, when you walk in the room 
for your audition or whatever, you, you know, you're as, you're as well-rounded as you could possibly be. Uh, and study hard in schools, you've got to have good grades and then, and then you've got to work hard and, and be, be diligent and, and tireless and you've got to get ready to handle rejection and all that. If you don't get in the first year, go again next year, go again the third mm. year, show them that you really want it. It's, um, it's, it's really hard. To get in, getting in the room is the hardest thing. And um, uh, I, I worked in, a, I did um, Legally Blonde out in Parramatta. It was an amateur ensemble, but professionals in the principles. And yeah. I travelled with a Central Coast girl who was in the ensemble. We just carpooled together. And she, was, she dreamt of getting on the stage. And her plan was she was doing, she was currently doing a, an acting course like you talked about before yeah. we went on air. Um, she's doing an acting course so, so that she could get into WAPA and then hopefully from graduating from WAPA would get her an audition for a show. That's yeah. how hard it is just yeah. to get into a room because, you know, Beauty and the Beast has got an audition. That's how, you know, they won't see anyone that just hasn't, hasn't graduated from someone mm. or hasn't got lots of experience. And it's that catch-22, where do I get the experience? It's like, yeah, all right. Yeah. So you, you've got to do is classes and courses and generate your own work and go and busk in the mall and get your mates and put, make a small movie or mm. just just got to just got to be relentless, which is not what, how it was for me. I, yeah, just, I just walked in and knocked contrast. on the door and they said, come in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's, it's tough. So you've got to have thick skin and really want it. I'd imagine because rejection would be part of the game. Massively, like, be, massively. It's, it's, still, it's still something. It's I'm an not, emotional industry with rejection. Great. Like, yeah. God, they almost don't go together. It's, a, it's, it's an industry, no matter how experienced you are, you get into the room and the guy next to you might be your next-door neighbour who's never sung in his life, but there's something about him that's he's better for the role. Mm. It's nothing to do with the experience. So every time you're like a new graduate, and when they go, no, we don't like you, you're too small, too fat, whatever, you, yeah. you, you can't help. I try not to be, and I work hard at not being, but you can't help being a little bit hurt. And, yeah, yeah. And you've got to pick yourself up and get to the next one and get to the next one. Yeah. Um, and you get rejected enough, sooner or later you just go, oh, I'll find in. something else. I've got to find something yeah. else to do. So, yeah, it's really tough. You mentioned busking. Did you ever do any busking with the trumpet? Oh yeah, I, I pulled it a few times. I, I don't think I don't think I ever stuck a hat down and made any money. But it, it came in handy in a lot of like a lot of uni things. We had to self-generate our own work and stuff. I'd pull yeah. it out. It helped me get into a couple of musicals. The trumpet I did. Uh, Return to the Forbidden Planet was a show where we're all it was all musicians, act, actors, dancers, singers because we yeah. all played as well as did the show, so it was set on a spaceship, so all our instruments were like guns and oh yeah, oh, you yeah. Know, stuff from the spaceship. Um, and Jolson, the musical, required all the actors to become the band by the end of the show. Um, and I did Buddy, which was full of musicians as well. So that came in handy. You wouldn't, wouldn't have got those gigs without, without yeah. the, having the trumpet. So, yeah, so it's all, it's all paid off. Yeah. Thanks, Mum. Yeah, yeah, and Eric Cooper, my trumpet teacher. Oh, uh, yes, Thanks, that's mate. right. Yeah. That's right, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Hey, from your very first, and you sort of, you've touched on this a bit. Okay. From your very first audition out of WAPA mm. for chess, you yep. seem to simply take action to make it happen. Yeah. What's your advice on taking action for people working towards doing something they're wanting to do yeah. in life? Yeah, that, that first audition out of WAPA, when that, that agent got me that audition was was actually terrifying. Just through my own nerves. They weren't mm. mean or anything. Well, they were a little bit mean. <laughs> <laughs> I went into, because the show had already been cast and they were ready to go, everyone in the audition room was 
was uh, there. So there were stage managers there. There was all these producers, directors, music, you know, the music department. It was so intimidating to, for me to walk into this little room. Uh, and the director, they had a lot of stress going on at the time. I didn't know about that, but they were really stressed. I found out later. The director, I asked a question. I'm doing a scene for him and he says, so you go, go, come in the door, walk over, stand on the mark and say your lines to, to the reader. And I, and I walked towards the door and I said, do you want me literally outside the door or do you want me to just mime the door? You know, and he got out of his chair and he stormed over and he opened the door and he walked out and shut the door, opened it again and said, you walk through the door, <laughs> you go over to the thing and he went back and sat in his seat. So I went out the room, I'm in the corridor at night and I shut the door and I looked, I looked down that corridor and went like fight or flight, right? <laughs> like like I, could, I could just go, I just yeah. go, this is horrible, I'm hating this experience. Just go. And it took all my strength to turn that handle and open that door and walk back willingly into that environment. Wow. Um, so another sliding oh, doors yeah. moment. Um, so while it was like, so that was the action I took that day. Mm. But again, that was, that was just in and in the moment, a bit like the Hotel California moment. It's just like, well, we've got to do this, so just do it. Um, since once I gained a little bit of experience, then then I got better at taking action and getting a bit more control and being better at knowing what's going on and 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 you know working towards getting your next job. So I guess my my two pieces of advice connected to that would be it would be resist fearing the moment. If the, if a terrifying moment comes along, you know count to three, take a deep breath, go through it. Like we said, if a door opens. Walk through it. You can always mm. turn around and walk out. Um, but nothing will be gained by going, oh, it's too hard, it's too difficult, they won't like me, or I'm too small. Mm. It's been many times I've gotten jobs where I thought I was wrong for. Mm. Um, there's something that they're looking for that I didn't know about. And there's other jobs where I thought I'm perfect and I don't get close. So there's, I've learned that over the years. It's just go, just audition. Go in the room. They've asked to see you or they've agreed to see you. Just go. You, there might be someone in there that's doing another production of something else that they'll yeah. see you for that. Um, so my advice to uh, younger actors or anyone that asks is like, say yes to everything. If, someone, yeah. if you can get a chance to audition, go. Because at the very least, it's practice. Practice preparing material, practice being in that terrifying situation. Because in this country, there's not many auditions. They don't come very often. If you're in America or New York or London, you can audition every twice, three times a day if you want. Mm. Um, but here, two or three big shows a year, you yeah. know, that you're right for. Um, uh, so, yeah, and then, yeah, and then the, my, my action would be to start doing, doing some mindfulness with yourself and telling yourself that you can do it and that you are good enough because it's usually just yourself that stops you. Mm. And what a, what a creative team are looking for is someone that they want to work with. So if you walk in nervous and shaky and uh, doubting yourself, it's like, I can't see myself working with that person. Mm. It would be a difficult process. Now, you don't want to be arrogant or up yourself. You mm. just want to be personable and relaxed and just have a bit of self-confidence, a bit of self-belief. Uh, and they'll go, okay, I, feel I can... And then that way you're available then for them to mould you and give you direction. And, and um, that seems, for me, seems to be the key. You're not going and going, I'm going to show you how good I am. Yeah. But you're not going and going, I'm terrible. It's some little part in the middle. So, look, I might have what you need. I'm ready to, ready to work with you and see mm. what we got. The, 
uh, yeah, but um, door opens, go through it. Just yeah. go through it. Just keep going. Sounds like your intuition's been pretty good throughout the years as well. Yeah, I feel, I feel like it's a balance of luck and intuition. Yeah. But I have good intuitions towards auditions. I generally pick good songs. I, I'm good at reading a room. If yeah. I walk in, if I, they're really tense, I'll be serious. But if they're mucking around a bit, I'll have a joke with them. Yeah. It's important because if you have a serious room and you go in cracking jokes, it just can create a really bad vibe. And I've, I've been a reader at auditions sometimes. A reader is someone who's just paid to read with the actors coming in yeah. so they can do scenes. Um, and you learn a lot about mistakes that you can make in an audition by walking in, dropping your water bottle on the floor and shaking and or apologising about the song before you've even sung it or saying, I, I'm feeling a bit sick at the moment, so forgive me. All those things that panels just don't like. They just, you, you're just better to walk in. I wouldn't even shake their hand. I'd just walk in and stand on the X and just open yourself up to them and take their lead. And, and, um, and then, you know, and be, be prepared is the other thing in the, in the audition. Like so many actors can mess it up just through they haven't learnt their lyrics properly or they've brought a song that's not appropriate, that they don't know the production very well that they're auditioning for or they don't know the producer's other work. Um, all that stuff's really simple, especially with the internet now. Mm. It's really simple to go in well-informed so you don't get egg on your face and if they ask you a question and you can't answer it. Um, but generally, just having that knowledge, even if it doesn't come up, just gives you a sense of belonging in the room. You know? yeah. I think it's really important. So I have a good intuition for that, that sort of thing. Like if you're going for a Disney show... You know, sing a Disney song or something of the yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Don't go in and sing your power ballad from Les Mis. Yeah. Um, but if you are, but if you are going from Les Mis, you know, okay, they're going to want a dark and a heavier song, and I'll be a bit broodier and I'll mess my hair up a bit, or mm. you know, whatever. Those I have good instincts for that sort of thing. Yeah. That's yeah. Really, and that's really important because that's where you book the gigs. So. Yeah. Then the next step is being good. Once you get the gig, that's a whole other story. <laughs> well, that comes back to one of the lessons yeah. from your trumpet player about being yeah. professional. Yeah, that's right. Have to, practice it, till you can't get it wrong. You can't get it wrong, you yeah. know, at the end of the day. Yep. Um, is what you covered there. Yeah. And I think the, I was just sort of take out of that, be available. Yep. Like allow yourself to be yeah. available. Allow, yeah. Um, rather than, that's right. You're your rather, biggest. Rather than blocking yourself yeah, off. Yeah, your own biggest. Your own biggest hurdle. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, cool. Yep. What do you credit your success in theatre to outside of simply taking action? Ooh, um, again, there's that balance of luck, right place at right time. I hear every actor I work with feel like they're lucky. So yeah. many say, I'm terrible at auditions. I don't know how I ever got the job, whatever. So there, there, there's that, we all feel like we're lucky. It's being in the right place at the right time. But for me personally, I think versatility has been the key. Like I said, there's not many shows come around. So mm. if you're just a lame is power belter, mm. you, there's no shows for you at the moment. You know, maybe you could get into Cinderella. Maybe there's some big singing in that. Um, if you're a hip hop guy, you, you, there's Hamilton, and that, that's it. There's only one show. Um, so I've been lucky because, like, play a musical instrument. That's helped me get into a few music-based shows. Um, I've got a strong baritone voice. That's helped me get into the sort of Miss Saigon, Les Mis type shows where they need strong, yeah. loud, um, really good articulate singers. Um, I'm, a, I'm a sort of character actor too. I, I can do, do an accent, do a funny voice. So I can get, I got a lot of work, especially when I was young, understudying older actors where they, they want a young ensemble 
but they need someone who can step in if the older guy's sick. That would always be me. I got a wrinkly face or something. <laughs> um, so I was often playing above my above my age. I, I played Emile de Beck in South Pacific when I was 25. He's, his age is 45 plus. Yeah. The guy I was understudying was 60. And I played against, I went on against Paige O'Hara, who was the voice of Belle, uh, who was playing Nelly, who's supposed to be young. I suspect I was probably 10 years younger than her, but I was supposed to be about 20 years older. I sprayed my hair white and drew yeah. some lines in my face. We got standing ovations. It was crazy. Yeah. So I was, that, was another, that was another sort of secret to my success was just I was able to say, yeah, I can do that, I can do that, I can do that. So my Miss Saigon mates couldn't audition for Buddy the Musical but my, and my Buddy the Musical guys couldn't audition for Miss Saigon but I could go for both um, and be in, intuitive enough to manipulate my voice. Like the full Monty wasn't really power singing, it was more sort of pop rock yeah. kind of vibe. So I didn't go in and give them the full, you know, turn it up to 11 version yeah. of me. I gave them a more mixed version of myself and, uh, and was more blokey and, 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 that, and that worked for that. And so yeah. it's, all, it's, all, it's all an act. And so you just got to say, you need a trampoline up? Yes, I trampoline. <laughs> yeah, juggle, that's me, I'll do it. You know, and you just got to get good at it. Do you juggle? Uh, I can, badly. Okay. But yeah, but enough to get me into a yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Enough to audition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I play a little bit of piano. So you just got to be ready. Like, I, I don't consider myself a dancer, but I've danced in probably 12, 13 musicals. Yeah. And I dance in the Moulin Rouge with all these amazing dancers around me. Yeah. And somehow I get away with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they're 20 years so younger cool. than me as well. So yeah. it's, uh, it's like, it's like, it's like the emperor's new clothes. Like people believe you're up there doing it. They, well, you must be good. Well, I must be. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not. <laughs> Let's create that belief. Yeah, yeah. And, you, you know, you're well-directed and well-constructed. So, yeah. Because okay, so, I have heard you say something about you need several tricks in the industry. Yeah. you got to use yeah. everything you got. Yeah, yeah. Same with any business, I suppose. Yeah. You're a footballer, you know. You're not great at handball or whatever. So, you, you know, make sure you get a bit more space or... or whatever you know whatever little tricks that you've got whatever you're good at whatever your strengths mm. are but versatility is key to survive in the industry because there's just not enough work for everyone so you've got to be able to do a little bit of everything yeah yeah yeah, mm. yeah no. mm. you've said previously that you're an anxious person i've listened to somebody said that you're an anxious person yeah. and that is quite common in the industry yes um it's got to be one of the most exposing careers one can choose to go into as far as putting yourself out there. What do you think acting attracts anxious people? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, tr it's true. I, um, we do have a lot of highly strung people and I'm one of them. I think um, anxiety, anxiety, like it's not debilitating or anything. It's just that I think of all, as a youngest, uh, youngest of three boys, you always want to, you want to impress but you also fear... You fear looking stupid or feeling feeling stupid. So I think, so I think it's that an anxious person craves approval all the time. Mm. That's why we end up in the, in the arts. Is I painted this picture, I played this song, I wrote this book. Um, everyone buy it, love it, read yeah. it. You know, because that will give that will validate me a little bit. Um, I think that's why we end up in the industry, in you know, in the arts. But it's but it, there must be something. There must be a connection with creativity. Uh, and part of the, that part of the brain that must be triggered through feelings of anxiousness and worrying about 
worrying about tomorrow all the time. Um, yeah, okay. So, because it's not a anxiety is not a good trait. It's not useful in any real way. No, and I think everybody yeah. has it in some way. Or yeah, form. I guess so. We all, we all um, want to be liked, I suppose, or appreciated or something. Um, but it, in the arts, it seems to be quite prevalent. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I'd be the first to admit that I'm probably, I definitely have, have yeah. that anxiousness. Yeah. Doing this, yeah. I, I yeah, feel yeah. that anxiousness, yeah. right? Yeah. If you come what in and meet you wrong? that I've never met you before. Yeah, that's right. All this sort of stuff. So, yeah. But you still put yourself in that position. Yeah. I was catching the train down here from the Central Coast yeah. this afternoon going, yeah. why do I put myself in this position? <laughs> you know? So, and, and I'm yeah. thinking, this relates to one of the questions. Yeah, like, right, why, yeah. Why, and, and the re- I, but the rewards are great. When you do take, you do take the risk and put, your, put yourself in a situation that you're, you're fearful of. And then, and then the result inevitably comes out better than you thought. There's a feel, there's a feeling of euphoria there that is like, mm. oh, great, this is great. And I guess that's journey of life, isn't it? That's, mm. you know, if if everything just felt normal and straight all the time, or we didn't have any of those anxieties, then there wouldn't be any satisfaction feelings either, you know. So yeah, both, it's, yeah. It's, all bal- it's all balanced out. Hopefully, you go home on the train feeling <laughs> feeling that this was worth I it. I do already. I do. <laughs> From the moment you walked in the door and we started chatting, I, did, oh, I thought, oh, this is whew. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, cool. it's that moment when it all sort of yeah. goes, oh, finally. And Definitely. I think some of that comes from, and I don't like from your acting perspective mm. whether, and, and performance, musical and stuff, whether you think, but from a, um, just working off somebody else, mm. you can get lost in that. Yeah. So therefore, they, that, it's for that, yeah. those split seconds, they, that anxiousness yeah. can go and you're lost in the other person. Yeah, you're just connecting right. with that other and person. You're going to the moment. Ha- and you're having that moment, you're right? Moment. And yeah. you get to experience a moment outside yeah. of yourself with yeah. that other person. Yeah. Um, that, to me, I think is part of yeah. that as well, yeah. you know? Um, I remember... Um, Trevor Nunn was the director of Sunset Boulevard. He's, he's a guru, the head of the Shakespeare Company in, in England, and he directed Les Mis and Aspects of Love. He's a, he's a superstar. And so really intimidating to audition for him. Um, the preliminary auditions, he wasn't there. It was just the Australians, and they were very much out in the auditorium with a, you know, a light and a desk, and Rodney, can you do that again, please, and being really intimidating. And I made it to the finals, and Trevor Nunn gets out from his seat and he comes and walks up on the stage. It was on a, in, the, in a theatre, the old Madge here. And he walked up on the stage and he's got my CV in his hand. And I'm, I'm like, this is Trevor Nunn. This is, I'm like shaking nervous, you know. And he's, he's like, hey, Rodney, nice to meet you. How are you, mate? You know, um, he, said, he looks at my CV and he goes, oh, you did chess. He said, I, I directed chess in, in London. And I'm like, he's like, oh, that was troubles. It was troublesome. How was it for you? And all I'm thinking is... I was in the chorus of the Australian production. You directed the American and the London production. Uh, and you're trying to talk to me like I'm an equal. And so I spoke with him for a little, little bit about what I thought about the show. And, but he could hear in my voice that I wasn't calm yet. And he, so then he, he saw Aspects of Love. He said, oh, I directed that. How did you, that was also really difficult. And I said, yeah, I didn't love Aspects of Love. And then as we were having a few laughs and whatnot, I, I, he could see that I'd settled down. Mm. And he, he says, all right, well, let's hear your monologue, but wait till I get back to my seat, have a drink of water, take your time, just start whenever you're ready, but make sure I'm sat down. And he walked off and I did a good audition and I ended up booking the gig, but I thought later on, I thought about it, I thought he, he, knew, he wasn't interested in my experience with chess or aspects of love. He was only interested in me settling down. Mm. Um, and he, he's obviously gifted at getting, getting the best out of a performer. Mm. Whereas the other, the other creatives on that show 
intimidated me weren't getting my best work. He got my best work out, and that's why he's a good director because he gets yeah. he gets the best out of his people. Um, and and I, I also Richard Roxburgh directed a production of Twelfth Night that I did, and he was the same. We sat down, he gave me a bottle of water. We talked about having babies, living living on the coast, traveling, all this was up. And eventually we read our Shakespearean stuff, but he I, he was just waiting for me to calm down because he's an actor from television, and I'd be intimidated by him. And mm. and and uh, I ended up booking that gig too. So it's they, they're clever and it's great. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. What would your ultimate role be, and on what stage? Oh, that's, that's a tough question. No. Um, when I went when I went through WAP, I fell I in know, love. You're currently in Moulin Rouge, the you musical, can't so Moulin you're not allowed to you're doing it. <laughs> I, I fell in love with two musicals when I studied music theatre. I was learn, as you know, I was learning it, and I discovered Chicago, and I got a, got the got the, the the record on tape and play it my car everywhere I went. Just loved that ragtime music. I'd never heard anything like it, and I kind of the director of our course was a mad Stephen Sondheim fan. Thrashed Sweeney Todd down our throat. The, the barber of the, the demon barber of Fleet Street, and I fell in love with that musical. Um, and I'm so so blessed that I got into Sweeney Todd with the Australian Opera um, in the mid '90s. I, pl- I didn't play Sweeney Todd. I played Tobias Rag, and it was an amazing gig, and it was probably the almost the highlight of my career because it was a terrifying thing to join an opera company, and to overcome that terror was so rewarding. Um, which goes back around to what we're saying. Mm. Um, but I've always coveted the role of Sweeney Todd. Um, so that's on my bucket list. And in Chicago, I'd, cover, I'd always coveted Billy Flynn or, or Amos, Mr. Cellophane. And there'd been two productions of Chicago come and go in my time in the industry where I've been busy and couldn't do it, been in another mm. show. And the, the 2020 production, 2019 production, of course there was no productions in 2020, um, came around and I thought, I'm too old for it now. I was like, I think I'm too old, but I thought I love it so much. I'll, just to do the material, I'll go in. And the, so they saw me for Amos and, um, and uh, I don't know how, but I booked that gig and got to, got to tick the Chicago box as well. Um, but I want to be a Billy Flynn, but I'm an Amos. I want to be a Sweeney Todd, but I'm really a Toby because both of those characters are a bit more downtrodden. They're not the heroes. <laughs> They're not the strong ones. But I still think I've got a Sweeney Todd in me, so there. And on what stage? That's a tough question. Because I have played the Opera House, and it's wonderful playing there. Um, but my favourite theatre experiences are when it's a little bit more intimate than the big yeah. theatres. Um, so I would say maybe the, like the comedy theatre in Melbourne's about 1,100 seats. The Madge in Perth, um, Her Ma- His Majesty's Theatre, is is about nine hundred seats, and it's beautiful, old, beautiful old mm. building. That's probably be my sort of perfect size. The the, the theatre here in the capital seventeen hundred, and the Lyric Theatre is I think nineteen hundred or so. They're they're big, and you get a great noise from the audience, and it's unreal. But from an acting point of view, it's not just nice when it's a That's bit nice. more private. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we've put it out there. Yeah, okay, let's go. See, let's see. <laughs> You're currently performing in Moulin Rouge musical and congratulations on 300 plus mm. shows. Thank you. I saw a photo of you crouched down waiting in the wings to go on stage oh, yeah. on your Instagram page. Yeah. 
What is going through your mind in that moment before you go out on the stage? Yeah, that, that photo was when I was playing Harold Zidlow's, which is an, an understudy track I do. I'm in the ensemble. Um, and Harold Zidler's the empresario of the Moulin Rouge. So he, it's his place, it's his building. So he opens the show pretty much by almost being like the, you know, the lion tamer or the ringmaster of, of the event and interacts with the audience as well as contrives all the art act, actors around him. So the lead up to, for that, for me, you really want to be on. You want to have a lot of energy. You want to be sparked up. Um, most actors, you, you pretty much want to walk from your dressing room and just go and start. The, probably like anything, the waiting is the hardest, probably in any business. Yeah. Um, it's just you just want to get started. Imagine a football game. Yeah. You just just can we play? Get on the field. Let's re- throw the ball up. You know, let's go. Um, so in those moments where I'm forced to just be in the wing um, before going on, you, I, I, like, I generally, it's funny, I'm squatting down in that photo. I generally like to keep moving around um, and, and, and stretch and you work your mouth and, and, you know, just sort of trying to avoid any negative messages coming into your head. If you could, you know, sometimes talking to someone else, a crew member or something that's around can be the ticket. Mm. Other times it can be stand over on your own and just do some breathing and, and whatnot. But I, generally with that role, I will start at, from that crouch position, I would get up and then, you know, do some squats and bend and kick a leg and jump and jump on the spot. And then when the curtain opens, boom, I'm, get I'm the out. I'll sort of build to it. Um, but it would depend on the role. Another role, I might be, I might have a different approach. So, but I need you need to be up and on from the moment you stick your head through the curtain. The first thing he says is "Hello, chickens," it's, and it's to the entire audience. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you can't you can't be a bit. Oh, crackle in the voice and sleep in your eye. You've got to be yeah. ready to go. Can't yeah. be stretching as you get Yeah, there. it's terrifying and thrilling. So, yeah. 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 That's cool. <laughs> Finally, mm. for someone who would not normally go and watch musical theatre or dramatic theatre for that matter, mm. how would you describe the experience to encourage them to get out and see their first performance? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, I, so I play footy. Uh, up at, up with the Terrigal Panthers. Well, when I say play, I usually get training and they never pick me much. That's when <laughs> I'm not when I'm not working. Um, but I know all the boys out there, and um, a lot of those guys they don't understand what I do for a living. It's funny. It's a, it's a male thing, especially the Central Coast type region. But they don't just don't see a lot of theatre. A lot of them come up to me and say, "Oh, my sister's into theatre, or my my girlfriend's really likes that, or my mum mm. did that, or whatever." But, <laughs> Don't even many of the blokes, but um, so one of the one of the girls from the footy club was coming with her boyfriend, who's in my team. Uh, she she was coming down with some mates to see the show, and um, one of them pulled out. It was probably a COVID thing, and so my mate Dusto, shout out Dusto if you're listening, um, he had to come. Like he's like, you got to come. There's an empty seat. You got to come. So he he was going to spend the night on his own, and uh, he came down, presumably reluctantly. And um, Moulin Rouge is a hectic, insane adventure, and the sound and the lighting is, is just blows your mind. So th- this was true for Dusto, and we had a beer afterwards, and he's just shaking his head going, don't worry, I had no idea, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I guess what I would say to someone who doesn't see theatre, and it goes back to us, if a door opens, walk through it, if you get a chance to get see some live theatre, yeah. it's an experience like no other. 
um, especially in musical theatre, you, you're, you're getting the values of a concert, of a, of a rock show, of a, a straight play, of a movie. You're getting all the elements. Uh, you get amazing choreography and dancing. And you reach your hand out and you can touch it and it's all live in front of you. What you're seeing, no one will ever see because everything is always different. Um, it, and the, the biggest proof of that is when I look out at the, the audience every night and their faces are just glowing. This show, Moulin Rouge in particular, there was a guy in today's matinee in the front row. <laughs> he looked like the Lunar Park clown. He, <laughs> he's like, his face was like the one where you put the ping pong ball in. His yeah. face was just going back and forth. His jaw was wide open like he'd never seen anything like it. And he was just, his eyes were wide open like moons and he was having the best time. And it just, it's sort of like, wow, if you can get, if you got the opportunity to have that experience, grab it if you get the chance. It's, uh, it's like nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. That must, seeing someone in the audience like that must intensify yeah. your performance. Absolutely. Like, you, you, you must get you, that energy from... We, you know, even in the ensemble, we come out, we start with a can-can and it's, and it's fierce and full-on. And you, if you go in at 70%, you, you just... It, 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 you'll end up having an accident and things just go wrong. You've just got to go at 100. And the, the way to find that 100 is to look in the faces of the audience and, mm. and just give it to them and give it to them and, and they light up and then the, the one, one another feeds each other. So yeah. um, it's, a, it's terrific. And this show ends in such a wild party. The audience are on their feet. There's streamers flying around and, and everyone's singing along. It's just quite, it's quite crazy and hectic. And you can't leave the stage without a big smile on your face. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. It's a big smile. So yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> well... Uh, Rodney, thank you so much for your time today. Um, hopefully, we've inspired some new faces to the theatre. Yeah, great. Yeah, come <laughs> down. See. Absolutely. Um, and I just want to wish you all the best yeah, for the remainder you. of the shows. Thank you. Um, where After Sydney, do you go anywhere? Yeah, so the show um, is going to Perth. Um, I think we're selling tickets up to mid-December here. Then we're going to Perth. Uh, then they, they've already announced a return to Melbourne because the Melbourne season was interrupted by COVID. It was sold out. Um, they had, they, you know, they had to meet their commitments with their theatre booking. So they've announced that they're going back to Melbourne, and and you know that's as far as my contract could see. So we'll see how far yeah. we go with it. Yeah. Oh, mate, all the best yeah. for the future. Thanks, Thank mate. you very much. Yeah, again. I'll see you on the train. Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, for all right, thanks, 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 Luke. Mate.